I'm super happy to be here. You know, one of the things I noticed when I walked in is how many good-looking people are here. So give you guys a hand, like, talking about, like, Church of the Models. I love that. Um, like Pastor Adam said, my name is Keith Brown. I was born and raised in southeast Louisiana. That's where I was born and raised. On the playground is where I spent most of my days. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool, shooting some b-ball outside of school. When a couple of guys who were up to no good started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got in one little fight. My mom got scared and said, you're moving with your auntie and your uncle in Dallas, Texas. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But like Pastor Adam said, we've been knowing each other for 22 years now. True story. When I first met Pastor Adam, I, I uh, grew up in southeast Louisiana, and uh, he was youth pastor at this large church that we were going to, my whole family was going to. I grew up in church, going to church all my life. I kind of got tired of church. I was in that, you know, uh, too cool for school, 14-year-old stage where I didn't really want to go to church anymore. And, and somebody invited me to youth group. And I'm like, no, I don't want to go to youth group. But right after they invited me to go to youth group, I saw these pretty girls going to youth group. And I started thinking, look what the Lord has done. Let me go check out what's happening over here at youth group. So... I go to youth group, and the whole time I wasn't really there for the message or the music. I was just there for the girls, and I just wanted to talk to them. And I was thinking maybe I should tell them, hey, this may be crazy, but here's my number. Call me maybe. I mean, that was kind of my approach. And while I'm sitting in the back, Pastor Adam started to preach. And I still remember the sermon he gave. It was, it was on 1 Samuel chapter 30 about courage. I remember listening to that, and there was a time to come forward and respond. And I got up out of my seat, and I came forward. I responded, and I gave my life to Jesus that day. I rededicated my life to Jesus. And then I was at a summer camp, and, 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 a, and a leader named Jay Borg looked at me and I and said, Keith Brown, you're a leader. And that started this journey in my life towards following Jesus and living for his principles and his purposes. And, and, and some of you, I, a lot of you I know, some of you I don't know, I, I went into my high school, and I started a Bible study. And I started a Bible study because I remember, um, I don't know if you remember this uh, conversation, 16 years old, senior year in high school, we're in the youth office, Pastor Adam looked me in the eyes and he said, Keith Brown, this is your last year of high school. What are you going to do with your last year of high school? Are you just going to go to prom? Are you just going to run around? Do something with some meaning. What would it be like if you would live with no regrets? And so I went back into my high school and I started this small Bible study that grew to over 250 high school students in a public high school. Did you guys hear what I just said? In a public high school. And here's what I want to tell you guys. That had nothing to do with me being all that special. It had everything to do with the fact that God was taking me on a journey. So from there, I moved then to Dallas, Texas to be uh, part of a youth staff. Pastor Adam hired me to be associate youth pastor. From there, I moved to Michigan where I went my where I, what did I just say, wet? Uh, I wet my wife, wet, wet. I married my beautiful wife. Here's a picture of my beautiful wife, Jennifer Marie Brown. I think she's feeling kind of blue right now. Oh, there she is. Hey! There's, there's my wife. And uh, in case you're wondering, she's not light-skinned, she's white. Um, so there's my wife. And then uh, there's my daughter, Alana. And then Benjamin. And then Christian and Delaney, um, those are our kids. And you know, when it comes to parenting, I'll just say this uh, about parenting. Every parent in the room knows that there are two moments that you will experience continually on your parenting journey. You experience what I call proud parent moments, 
And every parent in here had those moments where your kid kicks the soccer goal to win the game. Your kid makes the honor roll. But then you also experience what I call that's not my kid moments. Any parents know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, we had a really proud parent moment when we were living in Southern California, um, which is where we just uh, moved from back to Michigan. My son Benjamin came up to me and he said, Dad, I'd like to get baptized. And so I had the opportunity to baptize my son in the Pacific Ocean. I think we've got a picture of me baptizing my son in the ocean. It was just a really neat experience for my family. And I want to tell you why that has meaning for me. When I started my journey towards ministry, I and Jen together, we made a commitment that success for us would never just be judged by what we do on a platform, but more about who we are in the privacy of our own home. Because we've all met pastors and leaders who have spent their whole life trying to save the world while they're losing their own families. So we said, hey, we're going to go after it. And so that's a little bit of our journey. But, but this morning, I want to talk to you about your journey. And I want to talk to you about your journey from the book of Joshua. So if you've got a Bible or a Bible app, you can turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. While you're getting to Joshua, let me just tell you, the book of Joshua is the sixth book of the Bible. You've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and you have Joshua. And the book of Joshua marks a major turning point in biblical literature because what God has been doing for almost 500 years is he's been building a nation. In Genesis chapter 12, God's going to come to a man named Abraham, and he's going to say, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Now, in order to have a great nation, you've got to have three pieces. Number one, you've got to have people. Number two, you've got to have precepts or a law. But then lastly, you've got to have a place. You've got to have a land. And this is the final piece of the puzzle that Joshua is going to fulfill. I want you to look at what God's going to say to Joshua. But before I, I get to that, I just want to say this. What God's going to do for Joshua is God's going to speak to him in a way that's going to give him courage and true confidence. If you're going to become everything that God's called you to, if you're going to follow the journey of God in your life, you have to do it with true confidence. Because what I've noticed is when people don't have true confidence, they will settle for a false confidence that's based on comparing themselves to other people. See, some of you, this is how you get your confidence. You get on social media, and one day you're like, hey, I got this going. And then you go, oh, they went where? They graduated from where? And your confidence goes up and down based on your comparison to other people. Well, when you get your confidence from God, you stand in who you are and what God's called you to be. You know, I once heard the story about these four Catholic ladies who were trying to find their confidence that way. And so here's, they're sitting around this lunch table one day, and, and the first lady says, hey, I just want to let you know that... Um, my son just became a priest, so every time he walks in the room, everybody calls him father. So I said, oh, that's kind of impressive. The next lady says, you know, that's so ironic because the other day my son just became a bishop, so every time he walks in the room, everybody calls him your grace. Can you see what they're doing? They're kind of playing whatever you can do, I can do better. Well, the third lady speaks up and says, you know, my son, he just became a cardinal. So every time he walks in the room, everybody calls him your eminence. So now she's feeling like she's queen of the hill. She's just about ready to drop the mic, walk out the place. And the fourth lady speaks up. She says, you know, my son doesn't have any of that. But what he does have, he has six-pack abs. He has blue eyes and broad shoulders. He dresses immaculate. And every time he walks in the room, all the women go, oh, my God. I can see some of you didn't like that one. 
I got more. Anyway, here's my question for you today. When was the last time you had an oh my God moment? When was the last time you had an encounter with the God of the universe where he spoke clarity into your heart and your soul? That will change your life forever. Look at what God says to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. God's going to appear to Joshua and it says this. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you then, and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Every place where you set your foot, I have given to you as I promised Moses. Now pause there in verse 3. God says every place that you can step on, you can have. This is a big, breathtaking, and invigorating vision that God gives Joshua. And I want you to notice that God says, Joshua, this is all for the taking. This is what I promise to you. But here's the challenge that Joshua's facing. Joshua has been in the wilderness for 40 years by the time that God speaks to him. For 40 years, he's been stuck in neutral. And some of you know what that feels like to be stuck in a place. See, some of you are there spiritually. You know, you remember when you started your spiritual journey, you had energy and passion and momentum, but now you just feel stuck. And being stuck is, is awkward because you're not where you used to be, but you're not quite where you want to be. Some of you are going through that in your marriage right now. You remember the days where you had passion. Ladies, you remember those days when your husband had that six-pack abs, and now that six-pack's been turned into a three-liter. Can I get a witness up in here? You remember those days where you had so much passion, so much passion that when others walked in the room, they got uncomfortable. Those days where, man, every time your husband walked in the room, you looked at him like Mr. McSteamy. But now you just feel like he watches TV and eats McDonald's, and now you look at him like Mr. McChicken. We've all walked through this in various places and stages in our lives. For some of you, you're walking through this in your business, and it, it's not funny to you because you remember what it was like to be on top of the mountain. You remember what it was like when you started that with a dream and you had a, a vision to help and give back, and then 2008 happened. And every year since then, you've been putting up a front like you're going to make it and we're going to get through this, but on the inside, you're wondering, will I ever come out of this dark place financially? For, for the last few years, you've seen profits go down. And the cost of business go up, and you're asking yourself, is it probably time for me to close the books and shut out the lights for good? For some of you, you're walking through this emotionally. It's possible for you to make a transition physically, but never make that transition emotionally. See, there's some of you, you've walked through a divorce in the last few years, and even though the divorce is done, you still carry within your soul some of that pain and that rejection. See, it's possible to be stuck in that place, and God's going to come to Joshua, and God's going to say, Joshua, it's time to change. It's time for you to move to the next place in your life. But in order to move to the next place in your life, here's the very first thing that you got to understand, and if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. If you're going to move out of a dry season into God's best for you, number one, never let what you're going through define you. See, I might have been through some stuff, but I'm not what I've been through. See, I might have made some mistakes. Let me talk to some people who failed. Let me talk to some young adults, some teenagers. You might have failed, but because you failed, that doesn't make you a failure. 
You only become a failure when you accept the identity of what you've been through. See, there, there's some of you parents, and you walk through a bad stage with your kids. But I want to tell you, because you walk through a bad stage with your kids does not make you a bad parent. See, what Joshua has to understand is I'm not going to be defined by what I've been through. I'm going to be defined by what God tells me. And then the next thing that you got to understand, if you're going to make this transition, is did you notice what happened in verse 1 and 2? It says, God says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you then and all these people get up and get ready to cross the Jordan River. Death is not fun, but death is a part of life. And it's a part of our spiritual journey as well. See, in order for Joshua to move into his future, he first must attend the funeral. He's got to attend the funeral of his mentor, Moses, the great Moses. The people are going to weep for 30 days. And after 30 days, God's going to come along and say, it's time to to move on. What's died in your life that you're still mourning and it's time for you to move on, Pastor? See, I, I know this is uncomfortable. I know this is challenging. But this is how we move to the next place in our life. See, for some of you, you're going to have to attend the funeral of your pride. See, there's some of you, and you've been coming to this church, and you love the church, and and people keep talking about small groups, and you're like, that's cool, but there's a little fear on the inside of you. And the fear is this, if those people really knew me, would they really accept me? It's a fear we all have. And so we become, at church, this is the saddest thing to me as a pastor, we become professional pretenders. This frustrates me. The church is supposed to be a place where we can take off from mass and say, I'm struggling. I'm battling. This is where I'm at. This is the real me. But what we do is we pretend and we fake it. Man, for some of you, you're just going to have to put down your pride. And you're going to have to say that dirty little four-letter word that every time you hear it makes you cringe. It's the word help. What you guys thought I was going to say? Some of you guys breathe in like, whoa, man, you're going to be cussing up in church. Oh, no. But you're going to have to get some help. And, and I'm going I'm to tell you guys, there's nothing more painful than killing your pride. There's nothing more painful. I, I, I can remember stages and points in my life where I got stuck spiritually and the moment I humbled myself and say, hey, will you pray for me? Will you help me? God began to change. Did you know that James 5, 16 says, confess your sins one to another that you might be healed? It didn't say confess your sins to one another so you can get forgiven. I go straight to Jesus for forgiveness. First John 1, 9, I confess my sins to him who is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I confess my sins to one another because that's where healing takes place. Because I take off my mask and people say, I'm going to journey with you. Bro, I'm going to call you. I'm going to help you through this stage of life. The others of you, you're going to have to die to your low self-esteem. Which is really on the other end of the spectrum. Because there's some of you, God wants to take you to another level. And actually, you've been to that other level before, but every time God raises you up, you do something to self-sabotage because you can never rise higher than the picture that you have in your own heart. So for some of you, God's saying, rise up, rise up, but, the, but there's this, this fear, I, I can't do that, I can't do that. And so you go down to a new or a low level. Here's the final thing that some of you are going to have to attend the funeral of is your unforgiveness. Time to let it go. 
And unforgiveness is not an easy subject. It's actually something we talk about a lot at church, but something that we rarely do in our personal lives because it's painful. Because there's this little question. If I forgive, does that mean that they got away with it? Whereas forgiveness is the greatest act of faith and trust in God. Because unforgiveness tells you a lie. And we've all heard that lie of unforgiveness. And the lie of unforgiveness says this, is that if I can hold on to this anger and this bitterness long enough, I can make them hurt the way they made me hurt. But what it ends up happening is we end up hurting ourselves and the people who are closest to us. So God says, Joshua, once you attend that funeral, now you can move into this next stage of your life. And then he's going to show him real practically how to do this. Follow along with me in Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. God's going to give Joshua some promises. In verse 5, God's going to say, no one is going to be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Doesn't that sound like something that you heard in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, where Jesus says, lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age? God says, I'm going to be with you. And because I am on your team, because you're on my team, nothing you face, you will face alone. And not only will you not face it alone, because you're on my team, you're on a winning team. You're going to win. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them, all I do is win, 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 no matter what. Here's what God says in verse 6. Verse 6, God says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be very careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Verse 9, have I not commended you be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. In verse 6, God says, Joshua, you, know, you want to know how to make a transition out of chaos into your calling? It's going to require some courage. If you're going to move into what God has for you, it's going to require courage in your life. If your calling was an item you could purchase at a store, there would be a huge disclaimer and it would say, some courage required. It, it, it takes courage to be honest about what you're working through. It, it takes courage to, to live in community. It takes courage if you're married to get help. I love what Jimmy Evans says. He says, getting help when you're married is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. If your car breaks down, you take it to the mechanic. Why do we fake it when we're walking through God didn't call us to pretend. He called us to be courageous and go after it. And here's what I find interesting. So if you go from verses 6 through 9, in four verses, three different times, God says, be strong and courageous. In verse 5, God only spends one verse talking about his external foes. But he spends the other verses talking about being strong and courageous. Because here's what God wants you to know. If you will defeat your fears within, then your problems on the outside won't be a problem. The greatest enemy of your progress is your fear. So God says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Now, I think Joshua's dealing with three fears based on the way that God's going to talk to him. He keeps on saying, be strong, be strong, courageous, be strong and courageous. Here are the three fears that I think Joshua is dealing with. The first fear I think he's dealing with based on how God's going to speak to him in verse 5. He's dealing with a fear of what if the people compare me to Moses? God says, I will be with you as I was with Moses. See, 
this is always a struggle when you step into leadership. Every rookie leader has a fear of, what if people compare me to the next guy before me? But God says, I'm going to be with you. Here's what made Moses great. What made Moses great was not the fact that Moses was so good is that he had a big God. What will give you confidence in life is the idea that God is with you. The Bible says in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of me. So that gives me a reason to have confidence in everything that I face in this life. In the Old Testament, God the Father watched over his people. In the New Testament, in the Gospels, Jesus walked besides his people. But now in the church, the Holy Spirit lives within us. This is a reason for us to be confident. Here's a, here's a second fear that I think he's dealing with based on the way that God is talking to him. I think he's dealing with the fear of what if the people disobey me like they disobeyed Moses. In verse 6, he says, you will lead the people to inherit the land that I swore to give them. See, this is not Joshua's first rodeo. It's been 40 years since Joshua's been to this place. 40 years ago with the other 11 spies, they spied out the promised land and they came back and said, Moses is awesome. It's just like God said, man, the land is big and beautiful. It's awesome. But the other 10 spies says, but man, there's some big old dudes in the land. Bro, they make Andre the Giant and Shaquille O'Neal look like hobbits. There's no way we can do this. And for 40 years, for 40 years, because of fear, the first generation forfeited, forfeited their destiny and their future. God was with them, but because of fear, and God says, Joshua, you can do this. I mean, how, what would that be like if God came to you after 40 years? I mean, Joshua's a little bit older now. He's kind of got that senior citizen swag, kind of that AARP, get a discount at Denny's vibe going when God shows up to him. But, yeah, it's awesome. Hey, I'm, I'm looking forward to that discount at Denny's. Come on, somebody. Anyway, um, but what God says is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then here's the last fear. And I think that Joshua is dealing with, based on the way that God's going to speak to him, is I think he's dealing with the fear is, what if I mess up like Moses? Moses was the most incredible leader that Joshua had ever known. And up until this time in history, the most incredible leader that in the Bible. And if you read Deuteronomy chapter 31, the Bible says that there's never been a prophet who's risen like Moses. And so can you imagine stepping into those shoes? But even though Moses was a man of God, even though he was a man of faith, he also was flawed. And the truth of the matter is every man of God that you meet has flaws. We all are human. And what's going to happen in Numbers chapter 20 is Moses is going to get to the point where he's going to get so frustrated at the people that he's going to disobey God. And so Moses, the reason he doesn't lead the people in the promised land is because he failed. And I think Joshua's dealing with a fear of failure. If you're going to attempt to do anything great in your life, you will deal with the fear of failure. And you know something? I don't know that the fear of failure goes away. I just learned that I'm just going to step up and I'm going to confront it with the power of God. That's the only way I know how to deal with with fear. I I just got to confront it. I just got to go after it. What if she says no? What if she says yes? Come on, somebody. I mean, what if? What if it doesn't work? What if it does work? See, he's dealing with this fear and Here's the last thing I'll just give you. Here's four characteristics of courage. And I basically went through it, but some of you like to take notes. Here's the very first characteristic of courage that I see in these verses. Is Number one, courage rests on a clear assignment from God. 
In verse 3 and 4, God gives Moses, or I'm sorry, not Moses, Joshua, a very clear assignment. He says, hey, every place where you set your foot, I'm going to give it to you as I promised Moses. Did you know that the original borders of the promised land encompass 300,000 square miles? He knows exactly what he's doing. There are a few of you who are here, and the reason you don't have courage is because you don't have clarity. And clarity comes from spending time every day in God's word and spending time in solitude listening to the whispers of God. The Holy Spirit wants to whisper to you all the time. He wants to talk to you. But if you're not listening, you can't get courage. But when the Spirit of God speaks to you, courage will come into your soul. I, I told the story last service. Um, when Pastor Adam hired me to be his associate youth pastor, you know, I had seen him preach and lead. And so I just thought, man, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be fun. And when I got into it, these were some of the most wicked, evil little spawns of Satan I started working with. I, I wondered if the Antichrist would come from our youth group. I mean, these are some just little wicked little kids. And I got to the point where, and this is all uh, serious as far as the part where, I got to the point where I was really discouraged and ready to quit. About six months in, I went into Pastor Adam's office, and I sat down and I said, Pastor Adam, in Bible college, they didn't tell me it was going to be this hard. They, they didn't tell me it was going to be this challenging. I, I, I had this naive idea that if you love young people, they would automatically love you back. But I remember what Pastor Adam told me. He said, Keith, I believe you have a calling from God, but here's how you figure that out. Go home, get on your face before God, and you hear from him. And when he told me that, I took him literally. I went home to my, before I met Jen, I went to my one-bedroom apartment. I put my nose in the carpet, and I said, God, I got to hear from you. And as I'm praying and seeking God, I felt like what God did is he started to show me a slideshow of everything I'd ever started in life. That Bible study that, that I started, I only gave you the highlight. I didn't tell you the behind the scenes that, that for two years I struggled and I, and I strived and I did the best that I could. And then the final year it exploded. And God said, Keith, everything that you started, it's a process. And God just brought this to my mind. Galatians 6, 9, he says, that says, don't go weary and well-doing for in due season you will reap a harvest if you don't faint. And for some of you, you need to hear the whisper of God. It'll bring clarity to your life. Here's the second characteristic of courage. Number two is that courage rests on assurance of the presence of God. It rests on assurance of the presence of God. See, you guys who are walking with God, the more you pray, have you noticed the more you pray, the more confident you feel? So it rests on the presence of God. Here's the third characteristic of courage is it courage comes from focused determination. Focused determination. Can I give you a little secret why some of you are unproductive right now? Let me try that one more time. Can I give you a secret or why some of you are unproductive right now? It's because you're unfocused. When I don't have clarity in my life, what I do is I search. I do this and I do that and I try this and I try that and then I try that. And, 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 and when I get clarity in my life and I get focused, I have motivation and I can say no to a lot of things because I know what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Some of you need to get some clarity and focus. And when you get focused, also you start to see fruit when you're focused. And then here's the last idea here is courage is anchored on the word of God. Here's what God says, Joshua. Hey, Joshua, here's the secret to success. It's not a secret. 
Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night that you may be careful to do everything that's written in Joshua 1.8. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Those are two different words in Hebrew. The word prosperous means to push forward. The word success in Hebrew actually is a derivative of a word for wisdom. It means that you're going to make good decisions. Success and victory in your life comes from courage. The question that I think God wants to ask you today is will you be courageous enough to trust me? Here's what I want you to bring to mind right now. What is that one thing that terrifies you? That's the thing that God wants to give you the courage to face. And when you face it with his power, with his grace, victory is coming in your life. Let's pray. With every head bowed, with every eyes, with every person's eyes closed, I just wonder if there's a few of you in, in the room and the very first courageous step that God is calling you to take towards him is to put your faith in him, to be a Christian. Now, let me just tell you what I mean by that. I'm talking about being a Christian. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about when you were a baby, somebody made you repeat a couple of things. I'm talking about saying, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. If you're in here and you've never been led in a prayer like that, I'd love to pray with you like that right now. And let me just make a couple promises to you. One, one I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. All I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer with you, and God's going to start you on a journey towards him, a journey of victory and courage. And if you were being here and you say, Pastor Keith, I've never accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, but I'd like to do that today. Would you just acknowledge that by raising your hand real quick? You say, I want to become a Christian. Awesome, awesome. A few of you guys, hands went up. Here's what we do. Since we're a church family, we're going to all pray this prayer out loud together. So I'm going to say it. You guys repeat after me. Everybody say this after me. Say, dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. So I ask for your forgiveness. And I ask your Holy Spirit to come into my life and make me new. And God, give me courage to follow you wholeheartedly into what you have for me. 